Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone, and today we're talking about something that none of us enjoy at first. In fact, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable to the point that they sometimes just give up on the idea of it and try to push through life without it. But if we take a deep breath, remind ourselves that it'll be worth it in the end, roll up our sleeves and go for it, we will then come to realize just how important and deceptively simple this practice can actually be. So what are we talking about? Boundaries. (laughs) There isn't a single area of your life that could not benefit from them in some way. I will fight you on that. Just kidding. Totally an introvert and avoid conflict like the plague. So we'll not fight you. (laughs) Thankfully, I have someone joining me who absolutely loves talking about all things boundaries. Uh, Dr. Molly Bond is the Director of Foundation and Corporate Relations for Moody Bible Institute. She holds a BA in radio television production from the University of Montana, an MBA from Kansas Wesleyan University, and a doctoral degree in nonprofit leadership from Governor's State University. So very knowledgeable. Outside of her role at Moody, Molly serves in various volunteer roles, including Forward Chicago local group leadership, and she also serves as a Forward mentor in our mentor program. So Molly, thank you so very much for coming on to talk about boundaries. It's definitely not a light topic to tackle. Well, thank you so much for the invitation and um, for you, Jordan, for hosting this podcast. I can't wait to dive right in, and I'm so excited to hear Um, what our listeners have to say about it. Me too. (laughs) So boundaries are, like I said, a huge piece of every area of our lives. Work boundaries are a great thing to have. Setting boundaries within your relationships is sometimes a necessary step. And there's honestly plenty of room for boundaries at church as well. So what is it about the topic of boundaries that really made you excited to come on today and talk about it? Well, with most things in life, uh, we're always learning and growing, and I'm no expert on boundaries, but I have had to do considerable work in my life for boundaries, and um, I would love to share what I've learned in the past, and hopefully that will encourage and inspire others who are listening to the podcast to do the same. Uh, I think it's really important that we get this right. I think if we don't take the time to really sit down and think about what is within our sphere and what lies outside of our sphere, then somebody else is going to dictate that for us. They're going to tell us what are our values. They're going to tell us what we should or should not believe in, what we should or should not do. And for those reasons, I think that boundaries is really important to think about. You know, it kind of reminds me, um, if you think about a Venn diagram, which is a really odd way of describing two circles that are interlocked in the center. And if one of those circles is faith and the other circle is family, then there's that intersection where those two points meet together. And technically, in in fact, even mathematically, that point where they touch is called the radical line. And I, I think if somebody is willing to think about boundaries and to really live them out, they are living the radical line. Um, so it will touch maybe a little bit on the work-life balance and what that looks like. But um, really, I'm hoping that we all will be encouraged to live on the radical line. Let's talk first then about professional boundaries, uh, the ones that we set or maybe that we need to set at work. The first big one that comes to mind is what you just mentioned, work-life balance, right? 
Yeah, totally. It happens all over the place. Uh, in fact, some of the research that I did for my um, doctoral dissertation was about work-life balance and women and women leaders, um, particularly of Generation X. And what does that look like when you have small children at home, when you have elderly parents you're trying to take care of, you're feeling capped at work, and then, oh, by the way, you're still trying to live a Christian life on top of all of that. Um, in fact, in the research that I did, uh, I interviewed 11 participants, seven of them, without me even mentioning it, said, I saw a mentor because I needed to focus on work-life balance. So clearly it's something that we're all thinking about. Um, and if we aren't thinking about, then we might brush up against it from time to time, particularly when we're thinking about um, boundaries. So um, in fact, I'll just brief story. Um, one of the women that I talked to said, um, you know, they're really looking at me to take the next step, to take the senior leadership role, and I'm really excited to do it. I've been with this organization for years and years, but I can't. She's capping herself. And the reason why she's capping herself is because she, uh, at the time, was pregnant, and she knew that by mm -hmm. the time that the succession plan went forward five years from there, she would have a five-year-old in the house. And she was like, I can't balance both a five-year-old and taking on this entire organization and leading it forward. So it really reminds me of Isaiah 1530. Um, here's what it says. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. And I think there's so many moments in our lives where we would love to kneel work in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. But we forget that second part that says, but you would have none of it. And I think that that portion mm. of that verse in Isaiah 1530 really points to you how important boundaries are to the Lord and how important it is for us to follow his example of boundaries. What you take in in life and what you don't take in within life. An angle to the work-life balance discussion um, is something that I don't think is talked about too much, but I would love to hear your thoughts on. Um, does work-life balance look different to men versus mm, women? That's a great question. Uh, I'm thinking again about the research that I've done. Most of the people that I talked to, in fact, all of the women that I talked to were, in fact, women. Uh, so what does that look like for a man? And why does it seem like they don't struggle with it as much? Uh, so here's what right. I learned. There is a study where um, they were looking at mentorship pairs and trying to figure out why it looked different for men and why it looked different for women and why work-life balance never came up in those conversations, why it wasn't even a topic for men where it was such a critical thing that women wanted to discuss. Now, there's plenty of reasons why, um, but the one that I really was drawn to was that for the men who were a part of that study, they really learned how to integrate. And that word integrate really meant a lot to me. So for instance, um, let's say he's a principal. He's a principal at a K-12 school and there's a basketball game. Well, rather than compartmentalizing his life and saying, okay, now I'm going to the basketball game. Now I'm going to put my principal's hat on. Now I'm Mr. So-and-so. He said, hey, spouse. Hey, wife. Hey, children. I'm going to this basketball game. Would you like to come with me? 
And so then they get to spend time together, even though technically it's a work function, his family is still there with him. And how does that look to the community? His family is with him. So the idea of integrating and seeing yourself as a whole person, just as Christ does, um, and not these separate compartments, um, seems to really help. And again, it's it can get a little messy. It can get a little, okay, are these really my boundaries? Am I crossing a boundary here? Um, but I think that there's something to be said about integration and being able to do that um, and seeing how men do it even in your own workplace. Are there any other professional boundaries that we should be aware of? You know, work can get really busy. If you give it 70 hours a week, you will be working for 70 hours a week. If you give it 40 hours mm -hmm. a week, you'll find a way to make the important things happen within 40 hours a week. Um, mm -hmm. Especially for leaders, uh, people notice if you're the first one in the office and if you're the last one out. So um, even though the work may technically not be done, uh, sometimes it's best just to hold true to you getting home to have dinner with your family or um, taking the time to be with the Lord in the morning before you hit the ground running. Um, that's one thing that I would consider. Um, I would also consider if you um, have somebody who is supervising you and boy, oh boy, do they have a lot of things they want you to accomplish. <laughs> uh, you can always go to that place where you say, you've given me some incredible projects to work on and I really want to apply my best self to each one of them, but I can't with the number that I've received. Which one is priority on your list? And I find sometimes my, my supervisor will say something just in passing and I'll think, wow, that's a great idea. And I'll really start working on it and then go back to him and say, wow, I've created this report and this uh, presentation and isn't it great? And he was like, what, what is, what is that? Because he said <laughs> no. it in passing <laughs> and I thought it was a great idea and just spent 20 hours working on it. So sometimes oh, having that clarifying moment and that discussion is very helpful. Hey, I've seen a lot of projects come down the pipeline. Where do you want me to apply my effort? And sometimes the projects that seem so desperately important even to us will just fall by the wayside. Um, so that's always helpful in that professional relationship too. So it almost includes a healthy, I think, sense of control and ownership, I think, of your job and your responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think about the, um, the term of victimization in those kinds of things and sometimes how we place ourselves as victims in areas we don't need to. And there's boundaries, like I said earlier, boundaries requires growth. It requires determination. It requires um, being really thoughtful about it and testing it out. And sometimes you're going to input a boundary and realize that that's just not something that really you needed to force yourself upon. Uh, and you can take a step back from that. It's okay. But um, testing the boundaries um, is always an okay practice to try and see what happens next. Um, so, yeah, you were saying. <laughs> well, no, and I mean, I know in my own personal life, I 
this was a huge growth opportunity for me. It was boundaries. Um, you know, I primarily work out of my house. And so I, in a way, set my schedule and set what I do, but I, you know, I also am working for other people. And so it, it, it's a very weird balance. <laughs> There's that word balance. Mm. Um, you know, so early on in my career, when I really did shift over to being a full-time contractor freelancer, it, it was very different in the sense that I did not show up to work every day and sit down at a desk and have a clock in clock out time. You know, you, you more now have, well, it's 7 a.m. I should just kind of start doing some work and then I'm going to take a break for a couple hours and then I'm going to dive back in. And, you know, and it's just it's a very tricky thing. And so I very quickly learned that even if I'm not in a physical office, I still need to mentally feel like I am. And, you know, I do need to say, hey, if you contact me at this point, I will get back to you at this point. And, you know, just kind of setting up it's more of expectations, too. I mean, you're you're taking out kind of the unpredictability of the whole situation, um, and just really taking ownership of it. And, and I mean, and it reflects well on you because it's showing that you care about what you're doing and you also care about not just your time, but you know, your client's time or your, you know, whoever you're working for their time. And so it's just, it's, it's just a good practice (laughs) and it's, it is not fun. Um, and you know, it's definitely something that, like I said at the beginning, I don't like conflict and I was scared to death that if I actually put my foot down about something, I was going to get kicked back and it was just not going to be worth it. And thankfully I have a very encouraging husband who is not afraid of conflict and believes very much so in standing up for yourself. And so he just kept encouraging me, like, it's not going to be something you regret. And if it is, then maybe that wasn't the relationship you're supposed to have anyway. And, you know, and it's, so it's, it's definitely something that takes confidence and bravery and it's not fun at first, but work boundaries will 100% save your sanity. I totally agree with that. And you touched on something about, you know, what do you do when you work for a few hours, take a few hours off, work again, and you have that fluidity. And yeah. um, I've even seen, um, for those who work in a formal office, um, do something where they have an automatic response. Hey, I, I will get to you as soon as I'm back in the office at 7 a.m. Um, hmm. I've seen people put it in their signature line. Um, thanks so much. Uh, name, name of company, my office hours are seven. I will be checking email from seven to noon or my office hours are nine to five uh, Pacific time or central time or whatever the case may be. Um, and I, I've also seen uh, people who work on email at odd hours of the night, but they don't want to, especially with leadership, they don't want to appear that you know, they're working at 2 a.m. Thus, everybody around them must be working at 2 a.m. because they want to respond to your email. So they'll put it, they'll hold it in their um, sent or their um, outgoing mail Mm -hmm. and then have it automatically send at an appropriate hour in the morning. So that when those people receive it, they aren't thinking, oh my goodness, like, my boss really needed me last night and I was completely (laughs) unavailable because I was sleeping. Well, and on the other end of that, you know, if you're the employee, you don't want your boss to see that, oh, they do actually work on emails late at night. So I can just expect, I mean, you give them an inch, they take a mile kind of thing. So it's, it is, yeah, it's something that you've got to just really 
really, honestly, you have to know yourself and you have to know your limitations and what you are willing to put into your career and what you're also not willing to put in. (laughs) And if that's time with family or if that's time that you have, you know, some quiet and some decompressed time, um, you, I mean, you're, you are setting a boundary for yourself just as much as you're setting a boundary for other people. Right. It's that clarifying expectations again. And it's not easy, but the more that you do it, the easier it gets. So it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. And another area of your life that is worth it would be your personal life. So relationships, friendships, um, you know, honestly, even sometimes that the coworker relationship at work will also translate into outside of work, you have a relationship with those people. Um, so boundaries with relationships and kind of your personal life can be obviously a very touchy topic. Um, so I'd love to get your insight into some of the, I think, common issues that pop up and require some boundary setting. Um, and the first one that comes to my mind is realizing a friendship or even a relationship is toxic. And then knowing, okay, there is a there is a next very big step that I need to take, but what is that step? Mm, that's a tough one. It, you know, it varies with every relationship, romantic or not, or work or not. Um, but Donald Miller said once that um, he was talking to a psychiatrist and he said, what's the number one thing that brings people into your office? You know, anticipating divorce or mental health or something along those lines. And the therapist turned to him and said, it's broken expectations. And you mm-hmm. and I have already been discussing how important clarifying those expectations are. And not just, not just I'm going to veer back into work life, but not just hey, let's meet for lunch and, you know, just anticipate that they know the location and the time and if they need to bring a coat because you're going off campus or whatever the case may be. You need to say, hey, let's go to lunch. I'll meet you in my office at noon. Um, And it's the same thing with anything else. Hey, friend, I'd really like to see you. Would you be open to visiting, you know, or going with me to a concert or an art museum or um, hanging out or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I will, I, as I've said, this is a journey and I'm learning along the way. Um, but I was, I had a friend, uh, from college and we were super tight back in college. Afterwards, we both went our separate ways. And then I moved into the same city that she was living in. And so my expectation was awesome. We're going to be best of friends again. This is great. I already know somebody here. Uh, you know, we have similar interests and similar passions. And this is, this is just going to be so natural. Well, she's already built a life up in the city. And so for me to come in and just have that expectation that we're going to be good friends again was not her expectation either. So um, it got to a point where she would say, hey, I'd love to hang out with you sometime. And then I'd say, great, how about next Tuesday we'll go catch dinner? And she'd say, wonderful. And then Tuesday would come around and she'd be sick. And I, you know, that happens. I totally get it. But then we'd set another date. Hey, why don't we go walk around the park? I'll see you next Wednesday at five. Yeah, that sounds great. And then something else would pop up. And that, that trend just continued. So I realized that um, I may have I may have set up some um, bad expectations, but I also set myself up for some bad boundaries. Uh, in that moment, mm-hmm. I needed to take a step back and say, "Okay, this isn't 
regardless of what she is feeling and her responses, I'm doing more work, more than 50% of the work to make sure that this relationship happens. And so how, how mm. do I release my expectations and see how she will come to meet me halfway? And if she does, then great. You know, maybe she'll reach out and she says, hey, I'd love to hang out with you in our normal pattern. Hey, I'd love to hang out with you. And I say, great. When do you want to do it? Instead, I say, great. Uh, let me know when you're available. Here's when I'm open. I'm available on Tuesday and Thursday nights. And then see if she comes back and says, wonderful, I'd like to see you next Tuesday. But in this particular situation, in this real world experience, um, I said, hey, I'm open next Tuesday and Thursday. And then I got zero response. So that's an indication to me that I was doing more than 50% of the work. And if, when she's ready and available to do some more quote unquote work in our, this relationship, she'll come back to me and we'll get together and it will be great. But in the meantime, I need to set a boundary there for myself. Uh, boundaries are less about what people do to you and what you allow them to do to you. Um, they're gates, they're not walls, so they can be flexible and you can reach out from time to time and you may let others in and be a little bit more vulnerable. But really boundaries are to help you decide what's good for you rather than let others decide what's good for you. Something that's kind of, I feel like a hybrid of the professional and personal uh, relationship and then boundary needing um, would be mentoring. And so what if when you're in a mentoring relationship, maybe the mentorship all of a sudden goes south? Um, you know, what are what are viewpoints um, for maybe meshing well or, you know, maybe you've had a violation of trust um, or you know, you just, you can't see eye to eye on anything. Um, you know, you've already established this relationship. It's usually, you know, mentorships run pretty deep. Um, so it's not necessarily something that would be easy to go, okay, well, bye. <laughs> so, you know, what, what do you do when you get into that situation and you really kind of all of a sudden get this sense of, Ooh, this is not working anymore. Yeah. That's always a tough one too. And, um, it's very similar to a friendship when, when are you crossing that line where you're doing more than 50% of the work? Um, I was involved in a mentoring relationship with a student and um, she said, hey, can you give me a ride to the bus station? And I thought, sure, no problem. You know, it's Christmas break and she just needs to get, you know, a mile or two down the road and it's a little snowy outside, but that's fine. Well, it was one of those... <laughs> it's one of those stories where, uh, you know, we needed to leave by 5.30 to catch her 6 o'clock bus because I'm in a very busy city. And um, 5.30 rolls around and she says, you know, I'd like to stop and get something to eat. Can we go over this way? And I thought deep inside my boundary would have said, I really need to make sure that you make this bus. But my people-pleasing side said, sure, that will be fine. Long story short, we ended up missing the bus and she lives five hours Ugh. from where I am. So now here I am with a student in my car. It's six o'clock at night. I don't know if I should even take her home to my house and then have her stay over the night because when we try to call our parents, they're at Awana and they don't have cell phones. So there's no way to get a hold of them. So I started driving to her to her home. 
And <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a great space for me to have those mentoring conversations and those mentoring moments with her. We really connected, but that was clearly an expectation that uh, I needed to be clear from the start um, that I needed to say, you know, actually, let's make sure that you catch your buzz. This is what time we need to leave. And I'm not going to be able to make any other stops before then. Now, granted, how could I have the forethought of knowing something like that? But I think the point of it is that if you set up those expectations well in the beginning, that will avoid some of those conflicts. Now, let's say that you're in a relationship and that conflict arises. If you haven't set up those expectations beforehand, you still got to communicate with them. But do it with some grace and truth. Make sure that you're um, setting expectations for the future and then staying accountable to those expectations. Um, oftentimes, somebody will try to connect with you on Facebook or on LinkedIn or any other kind of social media. And some people are okay with that and others aren't. And that's that's okay. Um, but if as much as possible, if you can communicate with them and tell them how you're feeling and make sure that you keep it based on the issue and not on them or on you, um, that seems to help smooth the way a little bit more in those toxic relationships. Thinking about boundaries in the church, uh, in my mind, when I think about that, I picture, you know, at least for women, I don't know that maybe, maybe men have this too, but you know, for women in the church, I picture, especially when I was in high school, growing up, going to youth group and everything, just those gossipy cliques that unfortunately I don't think go away once you graduate high school. Um, you know, it's just full of those people that they just love to pass personal information with other people about other people, you know, in the name of prayer request or, you know, Oh, we're going to, we'll pray for you or, Oh, you need to pray for so-and-so. Um, you know, passive aggressive behavior, I think is just, it's, it's part of that, but I think it's also another very common occurrence within the church. Um, so how would you say someone should go about addressing those issues? Either, either you, it's affecting you, like you are the one who's having that said about you, or maybe you just observe it. Do you get involved? Hmm. So I'm going to go back to, um, the first part of your question about those who are passing information in quote unquote prayer request language. Um, I've seen it happen too. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough one. Um, here's what Ephesians 5, 10 through 12 says, um, find out what pleases the Lord, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. And so something that I've tried to keep myself to is um, how do I share this in a way that will edify the Lord, that will bring all of us in the room closer to him rather than getting focused on the deeds of darkness and, um, and even being shameful in mentioning what the disobedient do in secret, as the verse says. Um, so for me personally, I have to keep myself in check so that I'm not supposed exposing the deeds of darkness. Um, when others do it, that, that you can't stop in the moment for certain, um, unless you have, <laughs> unless you have more grace than I do and you're able to, um, gracefully pass off the conversation in another direction, um, which is totally possible by saying something like, um, 
you know, I really care about that person too. I want to make sure that we talk to the Lord about this. So let's pray now. Um, and that kind of mm. puts that stopping point and focuses us back on Christ and what he's done for us. Um, and I would also say that I have to set the example in that moment that I am not exposing the deeds of darkness. Um, it kind of goes into that second part of the question, like what happens when you get that passive aggressive behavior? Because that tends to be common in the church. I don't know exactly what the motivations are, but my guess is that it stems from us just wanting to be nice, just wanting to do everything that we can to serve other people. And then when we serve and we serve and we serve and we're nice and we're nice and we're nice and we're feeling like we're being obedient, but really inside we're feeling anxiety or bitterness or maybe even a little bit of anger, those three emotions are should be triggers that we need to stop and say, something is wrong here with my boundaries. Anytime that I'm feeling angry is that moment to pause and say, my anger is notifying me that there is something wrong with my boundaries. What needs to change? What conversations do I need to have? So when I'm feeling the nudge and the urge to go passive aggressive, um, that's my trigger point to stop because anger is not a bad emotion. It's just a trigger. Um, when somebody else is passive aggressive toward me, uh, I think that that's a great time to have a conversation um, again, to be really clear about the issue at hand and not to project that onto a person. Um, hey, I noticed that uh, you're consistently asking me for a ride to church um, and I really appreciate that you want to be a part of our community, but uh, I am feeling the strain on trying to get my children ready for church and then making sure that I'm able to come and pick you up. What ways can we work together to make sure that you are still arriving at church, but that I'm having time to prepare myself as well? Um, who knows what the conversation will do after that, um, but keeping it as a solution focus on, on the ride to church rather than, you know, you just passive aggressively continuing on this, on this path or them passive aggressively guilt tripping you into doing something. Sometimes you just have to say, I, I just can't give you a ride anymore. But I noticed that there is a bus route that's close to your house. But I know that so-and-so picks up a lot of people in our area. Maybe you could consider asking them to, uh, providing options and ways to help them so that you're not just saying no to a passive-aggressive behavior and then expecting the world to ride itself. Um, it's, it's hard in the church because there's that emotional tie because we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we don't want to be a hindrance in anybody's faith. But there is a point where you need to address those things. And especially just as Ephesians says, uh, find out what pleases the Lord, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So there is, there is a command for us to, um, be thoughtful and speak grace and truth into others' lives. Well, and I think too, boundaries really force you and maybe you need that forcing, uh, but they force you to be real. I mean, they force you to drop all facades and all, you know, just misconceptions of I can do everything or, you know, oh yeah, sure. I, you know, I can handle that, you know, that kind of thing. I think it really forces you to be real, which I know for some people, especially me, um, that's not a very comfortable place to be in. Um, you know, I can be real in my house, but 
oh, you want me to be real with someone who I kind of know and, you know, they might get mad at me, you know, that kind of thing. And I think it's, it is healthy to, to not, not even be mean. It's just being real, um, you know, and uh, understanding and recognizing that you can't do everything, but what you can do, you are willing to do. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me of a time in my life where I was involved in nine different organizations, nine. Now, (laughs) no one can maintain that. But I was at a point in my life where my boundaries were all over the map. And it was just easier for me to say yes than to disappoint one more person. Um, And I felt the consequences of that. I got very sick that year. Relationships suffered that I really cared about, especially with my husband. Um, and it, it just wasn't healthy. I couldn't give my A effort to anything at that point. And so mm-hmm. I took a full year and, um, I, I don't do goals or resolutions, but I'll do a word of the year. And, um, oh, okay. mm-hmm. for me, the word of the year, the phrase of the year that year was redeeming the time, but internally mm-hmm. my word was no. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I practiced, <laughs> I practiced so much saying no, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. Um, you know, and then really stepping back from a lot of those responsibilities and, um, it's hard to let go of so many things that I wanted to say yes to, but I'm also saying, I'm also saying no for somebody else to learn and grow in that experience. So for instance, uh, one of the organizations I was on the board of this nonprofit And when I said no to that, I thought that my world would be over because I loved what they did and um, the people that they ministered to and the friends that I had made through that organization. But when I said no, that allowed for two other board members to come on. And now they're deeply involved in their ministering and the Lord's doing great things through that organization. So sometimes, sometimes your boundaries and keeping your boundaries allows others to have that experience too. So, um, yeah, I, I totally hear you. It's sometimes so much easier just to say yes rather than say no and hold fast to those boundaries. But it's really important for all of us. So will boundaries be flexible? Um, I mean, is it something that you should maybe be leaving room for adjustment over the years? I mean, because your life will change. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I was involved in nine organizations a few years ago. Today, I'm involved in three And I'm feeling like there's room for me to think about some other opportunities that have come my way. And I love the breathing space that I can actually do that, that I can say, yeah, that sounds like an exciting opportunity. I think I'll pour myself into that for a little bit. It's, it's nice to be able to dream again. Uh, And so, yeah, I think that boundaries can flex over time relationships. I had a great relationship with my friend in college later in life. It just wasn't for us anymore. We had gone our separate ways. And that's okay. Uh, you know, there's seasons in everything, like um, like it says in the words. So uh, it's important to think about it and be intentional about it. Pay attention to those triggers for you in that moment. Because 10 years from now, who knows where you'll be? You might be on a totally different place in a totally different stage of life. We asked our forward women um, just to let us know questions, concerns, maybe personal experiences that they've had surrounding boundaries. Um, And 
we got a lot of different <laughs> responses. So I think the best way to go through it is really going to be more from like a practical application standpoint. Um, so pretty much everything that we got back from our audience fell into what we've talked about, you know, work boundaries, relationship boundaries, spiritual or church boundaries. Um, and then another thing too was, and we've touched on it for all three of those areas, but you know, really how to say no. Um, so I would love to have you just kind of go through each of those areas and just any kind of practical tip or application that you have for that. Yeah, sure. Um, so at work, uh, we've talked about a few things, but something we haven't touched on is when somebody asks you to sponsor them. Um, I've actually mm. run into this conversation a few times in my workplace. And, um, you know, again, you just want to say yes, because it's such an honor to be able to be asked something like that and to participate and watch them grow. And gosh, there's so much good that can come from that. How could you not say no? Um, but there's, there's some time that needs to be dedicated to relationships like that. And so sometimes I'm finding myself saying, what's your time frame? What's the goal that you want to accomplish? What is the, what is the end result? And for those who have asked me to mentor or sponsor them, uh, when they come back with an answer like, oh, I don't know, I just want to get better. Or, oh, um, maybe, I don't know, a few years. You know, when it starts to get a little wishy-washy in that, that's when I can say, okay, when you have something, um, a concrete objective that you know that I'm really good at that, that I can help you with and give me a good time frame, then I'll be able to help you with that. Um, and so that helps me in my workspace. Uh, again, the verbiage that we described earlier, um, I have competing priorities. What's the most important for you and for our organization for me to accomplish first? Um, those types of things are really helpful. Um, it all comes back to communications, whether you're at work or whether you're in a personal relationship. When those things start to get toxic, sometimes you have to have that conversation and be willing to change in the process. Maybe you had a perspective of the way things were going. Somebody else had a perspective or even the expectation of something else. And then you come to realize that, oh, I didn't see that the same way. I didn't take that comment the same way, but now I understand what you mean and we can move on from here. Uh, for spiritual and church, the, uh, the word, the phrase that I hear the most often is, hey, would you be willing to join our Bible study? Or, hey, would you be willing to serve in the nursery? Or, hey, would you be willing to make this meal? And then somebody says, let me pray about that. And then that's like the end of the conversation, right? <laughs> right. It's like the Christian way to say no politely rather than just saying, no, I'm not able to take that on right now. But, you know, maybe you could consider XYZ or ABC. Um, here's the thing. When I say, let me pray about that, what I actually mean is I'm going to pray about that and then I will get back to you. I think it's really important when you say let me think about that. Let me pray about that to actually do that and then make sure that you get in back in touch with them. I'll do that with my, with my colleagues or with my friends when they ask me um, to dinner or if there's an additional project that I want to take on and I'm not sure if I'm really going to have 
enough spans, uh, enough space, enough boundaries, um, I will give myself what I call the 24 hour rule. So I will say, let me think about that or let me pray about that. Uh, and I'll let you know in the next day or two. That gives me 24 hours to go through the emotions of, oh my goodness, this sounds really great and I just can't wait to dig into it and it's gonna be amazing to, oh my goodness, I'm so busy with so many other things. I can't believe that I actually turned this off, taken this on to, oh my gosh, I am so angry that they even thought about asking me. They gotta know that I'm crazy busy and I, I just have too much going on my plate. It gives me space to go through all of those emotions and then come back and say, yeah, I, I really want to apply some time and effort toward this. Let me take it on. Or I'm just not feeling that this is the time for me, but please keep me in the loop. I'd love to hear more about it in the future, um, particularly in mentoring relationships. I can't mentor you at this moment, but I would love to do that. Maybe we can talk about this again in the summer or in the winter or in this month. Um, so, the thought of being able to give yourself a little bit of space, especially if you're um, a baby in the boundaries world, just like I am, um, then you're able to give yourself that, that time to really think through if this is something that you can take on or not. Um, and really, even though that's for, for church, I think that that can also help in relationships and in work too. Well, as we wrap up, um, I wanted to give you a chance to share just anything else that is on your heart um, about boundaries and just about how to set them. Should you set them? <laughs> just get into the practice. We promise it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the first lesson in boundaries is getting back to Christ, getting in his word and making sure that you're sitting at his feet. You know, you can't really have boundaries unless you know who you are first, which is your identity in Christ. You are a daughter of the King, and you should be able to lean on that and rely on that to help you establish your priorities and boundaries and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. It might work for someone else, but doesn't work for you. And it reminds me of that story of Mary and Martha, and of course we all know um, there are in the home and Martha is busy in the kitchen and Mary is sitting with Jesus and Martha gets so frustrated and feels that obligation and she's got that tension and that anger and she says, Lord, why are you not letting Mary help me? I have got so much to do. And Jesus says, well, Mary is focused on the one thing and it will not be taken from her. That Those two words, the one thing. I think if you keep that in the center of your boundary building and of your priorities, what is the one thing? That is always going to be Jesus. That is always going to be our Lord and our Savior. And it's just like those two circles. When you want to live the radical line between faith and between family or whatever you put within those two circles, living the radical line means that you are focused on the one thing. So I would encourage all of our listeners to really consider that when they think about boundaries. We're glad you joined us for this conversation about boundaries, why they're important, and how to get them to work for you, not against you. For more information about this episode, please visit our website, forwardwomen.org. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org. And then click on the podcast graphic on our homepage. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for Real Talk Grounded in Truth.